The epistle reading this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 25 through chapter 5, verse 2. So then, putting away falsehood, let us let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. As there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, As God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The word of the Lord. We have over the course of the summer been um, talking about our, our Wesleyan heritage, which is also a, a very biblical heritage. It's rooted in scripture. We have also been relying fairly heavily on the book of Ephesians, partly because that is the lectionary uh, text for the summer. Um, And so we're going to continue reading that. Now, the book of Ephesians is only six chapters, so if you were looking for a biblical book to to jump into, that might be a good place to start, because it's just, you could read it in in an hour or so. Um, But the book of Ephesians has a lot to say about how do we live together as the body of Christ, as members one of another, that we are sort of knit together into a human community. And it is very clear that from the earliest days of the Christian movement, back when Jesus was yet alive, shortly after Jesus' death, and by the time the book of Ephesians was written, maybe 30 years later, that the church struggled with how do we get along with one another. It turns out that when you get a group of people together, there is often conflict, even even when they are bound together under the cross and at the table, that we can struggle with what does it mean to live together in human community and how is it different than the communities we occupy at the Lions Club or the Kiwanis or book clubs or whatever other communities that we belong to. That here in the body of Christ, there is a different way of of maintaining and honoring relationships. In fact, the author of Ephesians calls us to be imitators of God, no less. That ought to take your breath away. 
What does it mean to live as people who imitate, who live into the image of God, not just within our own hearts, which is enough, but in all of our relationships? That's the challenge that is before us in this passage from Ephesians. Now, in uh, the Orthodox tradition, which, uh, you know, the, the church universal was sort of one body, sort of, until about the 10th century, when the church in the East and the church in the West split off. The church in the West formed the Roman Catholic Church. The church in the East split off into Orthodox churches, uh, the Roman Orthodox Church, the Egyptian and, and Coptic and, you know, other Orthodox traditions. And so you've got these two huge movements. And then, of course, over here, we have our Roman Catholic Church that then later split into the Protestants, and the Protestants broke off like bunnies, and there are a million of them. But in the Eastern Orthodox Church, of which we are all a part again because it's part of our shared history, they had a sense that when you walked into the church, the cathedral, that you were literally entering into the kingdom of God on earth. Imagine, did you think about that when you walked into church this morning? Did you think, I'm walking into the kingdom of God on earth? Imagine, imagine if we, if we understood this place, these walls, this community to be the kingdom of God on earth. So in the, in the Orthodox tradition, when one was baptized that baptismal service started outside of the cathedral, outside of the sanctuary. And the first question that was asked of those who came to be baptized is the same question that we ask of those who come to be baptized and to join with the membership of the church. We ask, do you accept the freedom and the power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. You've heard that question before? You've heard that question before? Yes, okay. Um, Just check and make sure you're with me. So that question would have been asked outside of the doors of the church because there was a sense that when you were in the church, when you were in the kingdom of God, that evil, injustice, and oppression had no place whatsoever that these things do not belong within the kingdom of God. And so you would ask that question outside of the doors of the church, and you would have to agree that you are putting aside evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. And then it was often the case, and I'm going to ask you not to do this, they, they would then, in, in, they would say, yes, I resist evil and justice and oppression, and then they would spit on the ground. Uh, as a way of saying, and I'm leaving all of that outside of the church, and now I'm coming into the body. Whew. That's a serious commitment. And so to enter into the sanctuary was entering into an alternative reality, not one that is unique inside these walls, but one that we carry out with us, but that within this physical place, evil and justice and oppression have no place, no room within the body of Christ. But it's, as I said, very evident that the early church struggled mightily with what do we do 
if, if our brother sitting in the pew next to us drives us crazy, says things that, that offend us, acts in ways that are unkind, that are unjust, or just gets under our skin because of some spiritual issue that we have, what do we do? And the author of Ephesians writes to the church, reminding them to put away all falsehood and to speak the truth to our neighbors in love. Now, sometimes speaking the truth in love has been an excuse for church people to be nasty to each other. Oh, I'm just telling you the truth. That's not what we're talking about here. It says very quickly, you know, to, to, to let go of your anger, to not let that seethe within you, because seething anger only harms and hurts the body of Christ. Do not let evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up the body. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. Live in love. Be imitators of God. It is a high calling, my brothers and sisters. It is a high calling to enter into this reality of, of being the church with one another. Sometimes we think of it so casually, we think of it as just any other relationship. But God calls us into this place as a way of, of forming us. We talked this summer about the Christian practice of sanctification, of constant conversion, that we are constantly in our own spiritual lives, in our own personal lives, working at developing and becoming the person that God would call us to be. If God is not at work in your heart, if God is not troubling the waters, then perhaps you need to open yourself a little bit more because God is always seeking our wholeness. God is always seeking to make us perfect in love. And sometimes we can just become you know, self-satisfied, convinced that it's everybody else that needs to be made perfect in love, that we've got this down. But the author of Ephesians, and indeed Christ, calls us to this way of love that is so countercultural. It is not the way that our society wants to live together. It's not the way that we honor relationships. When we look at the racism and bigotry and all of this going on in our society, this is not being made perfect in love. And so our faith calls us to something more. It calls us to be people of the kingdom of God here in this place, resisting evil, injustice, and oppression, and out in the world, resisting evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. This living into our salvation, this living into Christian perfection. When I was ordained, when I, all United Methodist clergy ordained, were asked this question, do you intend to be made perfect in love in this lifetime? Now that sounds like they're calling us to being perfectionists. That's not the thing. And this is a call to the ordained, but I think it's a call to every single one of us. Do you intend to be made perfect in love? That is, are you working at, are you striving at, are you seeking to be a more loving person, a more kind person, a more tender-hearted person, a more compassionate person? I'm asking you, are you intending to do that? 
Are you intending to allow God to soften your heart? Are you intending to open yourself up to the tender mercy of God's Holy Spirit working within us, softening our hard edges, teaching us to speak kindly to each other, to be compassionate in our witness here in this church and in the community? I was, in looking at this, uh, this text this week, came across this passage by Martin Luther who, who wrote... Um, this beautiful uh, piece in a sermon on being imitators of God. He writes, This life, therefore, is not godliness, but the process of becoming godly. Not health, but getting well. Not being, but becoming. And not rest, but exercise. We are not now what we shall be, but we are on the way. The process is not yet finished, but actively going on. This is not the goal, but the right road. At present, everything does not gleam and sparkle, but everything is being cleansed. Today, I'm inviting us to become imitators of God, to become people who set aside evil, injustice, and oppression, whatever form them, they present themselves, and committing ourselves to being made perfect in love. That is allowing God's Spirit to work within our hearts, to show us the places where we have allowed anger and malice and slander to get in our way, to show us the places where we, as the body of Christ here at Riviera or in the United Methodist Church, have turned our backs on one another, have turned their backs on those who are suffering, who have not been fully the body of Christ. Let us allow God to work within us. Today we are going to celebrate communion, and of course in the United Methodist Church all are invited to Christ's table, all are invited to receive of God's love and grace and mercy. And so as you come forward today, I want to invite you to be reflecting on your own practice of love. Where is it that you need God to soften your heart? Where is God's Spirit at work within you to make a little bit more room for grace, a little bit more room for a compassion? Maybe it's compassion for, for somebody in your family. Maybe it's compassion for somebody in this room. Maybe there's some place that you need to open your heart so that God can, can work toward your salvation with you, can work toward your your growing in grace and love with you. What is not at stake is God's love for you. That is, that is certain and, and unconditional. God's love is perfect. We are called to join in that love, to work on loving ourselves, loving our neighbors, and transforming the world. And so I invite you to the table today to be transformed, to be renewed to become imitators of God so that in this place we can learn how to be the community of God so that we can take it out into the world to share God's love and grace. Let us pray. God, your call upon our lives is humbling. The idea that you call us, God, to imitate you, to be people of love and grace and compassion in the world is sobering. We know, God, that we harbor in our hearts 
places of unforgiveness, places where we have closed others off, places where we have decided that we are right and others are wrong. We know that there are people that we have drawn out of the circle of your love and decided that their, their lives are not as valuable, as important as our own. God, heal us, we pray, that indeed evil and justice and oppression would not be found in our midst and not be found in your world. Guide us, God, to be imitators of your love, your compassion and mercy in the world. For we ask it in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.